Blog Talk Radio. We do this for the people, we empower people. We do this for the people, we embrace freedom. We do this for the people, we empower people. We do this for the people, we embrace freedom. We do this for the people, we create it equal. Talking about the subject that'll help you be a leader. It's time to use your mind instead of killing people. The strongest man alive is the one who's thinking. It's time to show some pride. Good evening. Welcome to Weedy People Radio with the Struggles Real. We're in the car, driving on the way back from uh, FLA, trying to make this work out as best as possible. Um, yeah. Good evening. Thank you for joining Weedy People Radio. Um, it's going to be me and hopefully Ramona Sinead tonight is going to join me while she's driving the you know the whip while I'm doing most of this audio work. Mikey has uh, decided to uh, you know finally get over his illness. But on the way out the door, the sickness decided to kick his voice out. So he sounds like a sixth-grade boy. So not working out too well for him. Hey, so we're first of all, that's not very know. nice to call me out like that on the air, you jerk. <laughs> you, you, you know, so I don't, we, we don't want him to overextend. We're, sir? I said, and that's the extent of my participation tonight. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we're we're glad to see that you're alive. So this is awesome. Thank you, sir. So um tonight we're uh, taking a topic Mr. Uh, Warren Bellamy threw out to us about stand your ground, which is a law in many states. Um and the stand your ground law basically gives you the right to shoot to kill if you deem necessary. Um a little controversial because, you know, kind of giving you permission to take somebody's life. So before we do any of that, though, um, we're going to visit the news for the week. Um, We're going to talk about that, see what's going on. You know, our favorite stuff, Section 45, uh, Senator John McCain passing, all the craziness that's happened in the world during this past week. So hang in going to be a ride, literally, because we're in the car. Ha, <laughs> ha, Woo! Right now, um, I'm actually going to play a song because, you know, even though I told Mikey that he was going to run the board, I'm just going to play some stuff, and we're going to step away for a minute, and I'm going to hit you with a little of this uh, fight and power because you're on your ground. So we'll be right back. Power. We got to fight the power that's beat. I'm the rhythm designed to bounce with health and sex. 
Welcome back. No public enemy. Chuck D. Flavor Flav. Some of the greats. Um, it's your boy Anthony Armand. I'm back with We the People Radio. And we just wanted to cover a couple of big things that are in the news. And I wish I had Mikey on this stuff because uh, we got some pretty big ones. Um, y'all have been following along on the, you know, We the People page on Facebook, unlike, you know, Mikey. Um, you'll notice several things. Yes, Ramona? It's going to be very interesting um, trying to maneuver this. <laughs> Both of us are in the car at the same time. Um, good evening, We the People Radio. Um, first, we would like to take a moment to, just like we did with uh, Aretha Franklin, and although they are not in the same boat, Uh, One is political, one is uh, a musician uh, or an artist. But we want to take a moment just to say our thoughts and prayers are out to the McCain family with their tragic loss um, of Senator John McCain. We thank you so much, Senator McCain, for your service to this country. Um, We thank you, you know, for the, not just for being a Navy veteran, as well, um, and everything that you did with that, but also with your service to the country as a senator and everything that you've done for the United States and as well as things abroad as well. Uh, Thank you for standing for truth and justice throughout your many years of servitude to the United States of America. Um, But just our thoughts and heartfelt prayers are to the McCain family um, this evening. Thank you. Hey, guess who's back, back, back again. And so, I like John McCain. Um, I forgot who he was running against. And I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember. But I, I believe it was, uh, yeah, but, you know, back in the day, he was an independent before he flipped the script and jumped Republicans. But I really liked him because, you know, he was, like, totally anti-establishment and stuff like that, which was dope. Um, so yeah, big shout out to that dude. 
they laid it down for Arizona, you know, for the for anybody that can go through, you know, a uh, prison of war thing, man, and, and make it out and still have a right mind, even partially right mind, is, you know, you're a champ. So, all right, other news. Um, yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. Okay, so I want to preface this show by saying that he's had, like, two five-hour energy drinks, and he was a little bit wired. But um, it was two presidential candidates that he did, one against Obama, and the other one against, um, if I remember correctly, also one, uh, I think it was George W. Bush. Um, first one, he lost narrowly. Uh, the vote was narrowly. The second one, you know, when he got Governor Palin, Sarah Palin on the on board, he lost that. But one of the things is that um, Senator McCain is a third generation naval party in his family. So he had his father, um, who was a Navy admiral, and his um, grandfather was that was Navy admiral. And of course, everybody expected him to fall in his um, grandparents and father's. Uh, statutes and his, their stats, rather. So one of the most interesting articles I was reading about Senator McCain is he was a prisoner of war, and he did not like throwing his, his you know, oh, my father's an admiral and my grandfather's an admiral. He didn't like throwing his weight around. So when in Vietnam, um, when they found out that he was, you know, two admiral sons, you know, or, or the third generation, of Navy and who his fathers were, they were trying to let him out early. And there was a go, we'll give you early relief. And one of the things that President Trump criticized him for so bad with the whole prisoner of war mandate was this. He said, you know, you weren't really captured. Well, the thing behind that went when Senator McCain said, um, no, I will not take this early relief because uh, I'm not going to leave my fellow peers with the fact that, you know, just because I have the, you know, my grandfather and my father are both Navy admirals, I'm not going to sign out of this waiver and get an early release. I'll leave when the rest of my peers leave. And that was something that was so admirable with his walk as a, you know, right prior to his political career, but you know, that was something that was so significant. He could have walked on the back of his of his namesake. However, he gave that up in order to be there when his president um, when his peers were released. And not many people did not know that. You know, of course, they said that he was tortured, but they don't never say what type of torture that he went through. His arm was repeatedly broken over and over and over and over again. So when he turned down, saying, "No, I will not be." Um, I would not be released early just because of who I am. Um, they was like, okay, well, then we're just going to torture you while you're up in this seat. And they tortured him and broke his arm over and over and over again. And he could not raise his arm high, like above his head to come his hair, or do just general things such as that. And a lot of people just did not know that that's what happened. And I was reading an article where they were saying that one part person, because he couldn't raise his arm up, you know, higher than, you know, I guess where, like, his elbow or his shoulder was. So they had to actually help him comb his hair because he wasn't able to do so. 
And the guy was like, it was such a humbling moment just to know what he was trying to do for this country and the fact that he, you know, was tortured for so many years, and yet he still wanted to serve the country that essentially at times turned his back on him. And at times, even now, you know, with current president saying, you are not a war hero, when in fact he was, because it doesn't matter. Prisoner of war, if you're captured or not captured, you know, you're still a prisoner of war, if you're a prisoner of war. So um, definitely, definitely, our thoughts are definitely with the McCain family. And I just, I love reading the tribute to him and, you know, not just, just from the Senate and the political forces, but even when the whole birthism was going on with um, President Obama when he was running against him. One of the reasons why he lost the election, besides, you know, having Sarah Palin jump on board, was because he would not sustain President Obama and saying, you know, the whole birthism thing and whichever the case. He says I, that he is a great person. He's a great United States citizen. He is this, 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 that. And he lost basically all the Republican votes right after that. And then the whole Sarah Palin thing. So um, great, great tribute to Senator McCain. Great tribute. I'm afraid to talk because, you know, I keep getting reprimanded. But I did want to point out the fact that she said he was admirable after saying that his father and grandfather were both admirable. Oh, I had to hold that in the whole time. Yes, they're admirable. And you said his, what he did was admirable, which is just beautiful. It's, I'm sorry. I'm a nerd, and I'm allowed to be. So if I can be allowed to move on from the contributions that Senator McCain has made to this country and on to different things, there are some people I'd like to talk about, one of them being Robin Leach. Lifestyle of the rich and famous. That was my dude growing up. My man held it down for a long time. Showed me all sorts of stuff that I always wanted as a kid. And, you know, it, and another one that hit me because, you know, it's another thing that me and my mama used to do together. And, you know, just like Aretha Franklin, you know, I got introduced to by my mama. And Robin Leach was another one, you know. That was awesome. Um but on to news, news, news. So, uh, Buford superintendent resigns amid racial discrimination lawsuit that includes audio of a racist rant. So Buford, Georgia has this superintendent guy who went on a racist rant dropping the N-word and talking about killing them all and all sorts of beautifulness that he did um, on a call that was recorded and this was all around the time where he decided to fire this uh, black lady from his office for suggesting that a color be entered into the school's color code that referred back to a time when the school was um, segregated. So she was trying to give a shout out to the fact that integration and don't forget about you know, where we came from and everything else. He didn't like it very much and fired her. So if you don't get it, if you haven't gotten a chance to, um, you can either check out AJC or you can check us out on Facebook. 
and we have links to the audience. Um, it is not for the faint of heart because your boy went in. And another one, um, Michelle Beadle for ESPN, um, their morning show Get Up with uh, Mike Greenberg and um, Jalen Rose. She left the show, they say, or whatever else, but essentially they booted her out because she says she does not watch NFL or college football anymore. Um, and she was upset about the fact that people couldn't understand why Kaepernick had originally kneeled and why people were kneeling and why they kept saying stupid stuff like this is an anthem protest and everything else like that. So she said until they got their crap together that she wouldn't be watching either one of them because she didn't agree with it. Well, ESPN happens to carry the NFL and they're big partners with the NFL. And the NFL basically threatened ESPN and said, if your people don't start to get on board, we're going to pull our programming from you, which means that they lose, you know, millions of dollars. But Michelle Beadle, sort of like Jamel Hill, stood her ground um, for what they believed in, and she sacrificed her gig. And she's not; she's still going to be working for ESPN, but just on the NBA broadcast. But, you know, you get paid more money to do that morning show and everything else. So, I, you know, I, I, I really do applaud her for that. Um, staying in the world of sports, um, the French Open has said that Serena Williams is no longer allowed to wear her famous cat suit that she wore. Um, and they're citing the fact that they're saying that it's indecent, but they have no problem with the girls walking around in little, you know, tennis skirts. But they're complaining about her cat suit. But her cat suit is kind of like a dual thing, though, really. Um, because after she, so first off, little shoddy won Wimbledon while she was two months pregnant. During her pregnant, after, like, you know, when she was giving birth, she was having trouble where she almost died because of blood clots. And she said she kept getting blood clots thereafter. Well, her wearing the cat suit actually helped it so that she didn't get blood clots and die. So the cat suit is not just a fashion statement. It was actually functional to keep her, you know, from clotting and everything. So now they're saying that she can't wear it. Uh, Miss Billie Jean King, who, if you don't know, is like, you know, the woman in the Battle of the Sexes match. Um, and Billie Jean King, warned. Billie Jean King said the police and the women's body must end the respect that's needed in is for exceptional talent Serena Williams brings to the game. Criticizing what she wears to work is where the true disrespect lies. And a lot of people are very upset about the fact that they're over here policing what she's wearing and basically discriminating against what she's wearing when what she's wearing is actually a very functional thing. And what's super awesome is the fact that uh, Nike decided to stand behind her and, you know, thank you to, uh, to, to John, our, our sometimes, you know, correspondent in this whole game. And Nike decided to stand by her and release a statement, you know, supporting Serena in her cat suit, you know, talking about you can take a superhero out of, ooh, that was really, take a superhero out of, the, uh, out of their superhero costume, but it still doesn't make them not a superhero. So, you know, saying that no matter what you do, she's still Serena. But Serena's awesome. Also this week in the news, prison strikes. 
cannot express how awesome I feel about the fact that these guys are striking um, and, and girls. And they are striking against the fact that they are essentially slave labor due to a loophole in the 13th Amendment that allows anybody who is incarcerated to become slave labor. You know, and we spoke about the fact that the firefighters were getting like a dollar or two to fight fires. And when they come out, they can't use those same talents that they have from fighting the fires and actually go work for a fire department anywhere because they're felons, which is crap. But they're good enough to, you know, make a dollar or two fighting fires while they're in. So there is a prison um, strike going on. And it's not just the firefighters. It's all these different companies that use prison slave labor for profit. It's the inhumane um, conditions that a lot of these gentlemen are held in. There's a prison in Louisiana that's, like, famous for just being terrible and, you know, consistently not having air conditioning. Of course, you can't just crack open a window. There's no ventilation. And there are terrible conditions going on. And they are trying to do what it takes to get it to stop. So we're standing in line with those guys because they deserve it. Um, because yes, I know although you messed up and you did make decisions to put you in prison, does not mean that you give someone else to treat you like an animal and take your human rights. Um, also, today, um, there was a shooting at a Madden tournament, which is just wild. Um, in Jacksonville, and I, I don't really have words for the fact that somebody, and there's an audio out there, I did not post it, because when I heard it, I was like, sweet Jesus, but you can hear multiple shots and screaming and yelling, you know, yeah, it's out there if you want to hear the audio, but the fact that, you know, somebody would just run up in there and just go on a mass shooting at a game tournament is just crazy to me. Um, but they are reporting at least three dead, including the gunman. Somehow that always happens, so we'll never actually know what happened and why. But, you know, our prayers do go out to those involved um, in that tragic incident. Um, because, yeah, just bad, man. I hope we don't lose service. Maybe. Also, uh, state of Georgia again, because why not? But the um, current Secretary of State who is running for governor of Georgia, Mr. Kemp, um, he tried to pass a law that, or he tried to actually get polling stations removed from majority black communities where they did not have public transportation to, tra- to travel to a polling station um, and just shut them all down because he is currently going up in the you know, fight of his career against a young lady for the governorship, and she happens to be a black lady, and she's, going, she's trying to be the first black female governor in the state of Georgia. Um, and he tried to shut down a bunch of polling stations to keep people from voting. And, you know a huge voter discrimination thing that the likes of which I haven't heard of in my lifetime, at least, and I'm old. Um, 
and we know that it's you know something that's gone on and, and it, it's an it's as American as apple pie should I say to where they've tried to stop people of color from voting and everything before all throughout history and have successfully done so so this guy tried to you know make America great again and bring that tradition back but it was trounced out um, within a matter of minutes they said when it was brought up in a uh, council meeting and voted against thank God you know there were some uh, some common sense that prevailed and common decency should I say um, over racism because that's terrible And then, you know, we have Donald. We have Donald. From, did you just, did you just Birdman me? Like they put some respect on his name? Well, yeah, President 45. Sorry. So 45. Um, but I'm going to glance over here real quick because I did have some good news because we're always told we never have good news. Jacob Goodwin, one of three men who brutally beat a black man in the parking garage at a white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, was sentenced to eight years in prison. That's good news. That is good news. Yes, that is great news. You know, because it just goes to prove that once again, you can't be a racist bastard unless you're a police officer. So, great news. You know, please don't really get convicted on this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, back to terrible news. An older white man was arrested after urinating on a five-year-old girl and repeatedly calling her the N-word. To which I'm like, where's your mammy and your daddy? Because somebody should have beat the brakes off this fool. And, yes, I am all for beating the brakes off of some you know, old dude peeing on somebody's five-year-old kid. Turns out the old dude was also a pedophile or a registered sex offender, so whatever you want to lay, you know, put that circle in. Um, and, and the report on him was strange, odd, easily provoked, preoccupation with young females. Those are the clinical observations made by made about David A. Dean last year in a petition, petition to get him hospitalized. And now he's accused of urinating on a kid when, you know, once again, for whatever reason, the system is broken and didn't get someone help, forcibly or not, that obviously needed help and they knew about. So, uh, nope, still 45, so I'm going to skip that um, because he's got a lot. Oh, another terrible news. Um, there's a guy, him and his friends, they're playing a game. And I stress playing a game because it was their game and nobody else, you know, apparently was amused by it, where they would walk into a bar and see how many times they could yell out the N-word before they were kicked out. Rocco then stabbed a black man to death, and the police have not labeled this as a hate crime for some reason even though it's directly tied to the game that him and his friends were playing. But it's not a hate crime at all. 
What in the hell? Exactly, Hank. Makes me want to know what in the hell. Does that make no sense? And you can't explain that to me to where you make it make sense. And if you can, I do welcome your input because God knows if you can make that make sense, then, you know, you're a great orator and I'd like to hear it. I thought Ramona Chanel was going to defend that one. So, good stuff. Um, so, we're going to step away for a second and come back with Section 45 because I've got a lot of Trump stuff that I'd really like to talk about. And then we're going to jump into Stand Your Ground. Give us just a second. Thank you. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, shut up, woman. You better think, think, think about what you're trying to do to me, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon from the flight deck. We're cruising at 37,000 feet. We just passed over the coast. We'll be beginning our descent in about uh, 30 minutes. I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome you to America. Yeah. Uh, uh. I was made in America, land of the free, home of the brave. And right up under your nose, you might see a sex slave being traded. And we'll do anything for the money. Boy, mama might sell her face. Sell porn, sell pills, anything to pay the bills, anything to bring that pace. Gotta scratch that itch, gotta scratch them ticks, ain't rich, but I might be. And I'ma shoot these flicks, I'ma turn these tricks, anything for a slight fee. Yeah, made in America. Mama told me that I belong here. Had to earn our stripes, had to learn our rights, had to fight for a home here. But I wouldn't know a thing about that. All I know is drugs and rap. I probably could have been some kind of doctor instead of holding guns and crap. I was born in the mainland. Great grandpa from a strange land. He was stripped away and given bricks to lay. I guess you could say he a slave hand. But I was made in America. So I don't know a thing about that. All I know is Uncle Sam looking for me, working on his corner, so I know I got a pay tax. Getting paid in America. I was raised in America. And this is all I ever known. If I'm wrong, then you better come save me, America. Welcome to 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 America. Man, I die for America. I served my time for America. Got shot, shot back when the war got back and ain't nobody give a jack in America. I could have lost my life why I lost my wife. I can't even get right in my homeland. Coast West, Coast Tech, paranoid, looking out for a threat in my own land. I was trained in America. How they get up in the planes in America? Flew right into the building, taking out the buildings. People getting killed in America. And I'm still in America. No, America ain't feeling me. I went to war for this country. Turn around, came home, and you grilling me? When y'all free here, saying you don't want to be here. Well, you probably couldn't breathe here if I didn't know a couple magazines here. Y'all just complaining America, I'm jumping out of military planes from America Hey, I was made in America, that's why I'm out here saving America I got a brother in the cemetery now cause he wanted y'all safe 
And everybody wants the freedom, but nobody want to hear about faith. We bled for America, to keep y'all fed in America. But what's the point of talking? A lot of y'all don't really even care, America. Welcome to 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 America. I wish I lived in America, want to raise my kids in America, heard everybody rich, all I got to do is run, jump, kick, I'm a hit in your area, so please pick me America, I know you probably never loved me, you never hear about me on the news, and you probably never been to my country, I hear you selling education, and got clothes that you throw away, got plenty food in your nation, I can tell cause a lot of y'all are overweight, I already work for y'all, I'm in the sweatshops making these shirts for y'all, now I ain't getting money, go to bed hungry, but I make some exports for y'all, y'all don't know a thing about that, you was made in America, I'm trying to find me a ticket where the sky is, let me catch a plane to America, it should be plain to America, y'all blessing, you got it made, heard y'all don't pray no more, y'all ain't say no more, y'all looking for another way. Well, I hope it ain't true, but I'm packing my suit. Farewell to my motherland. Say goodbye to my loved ones. Fate, here I come. I'm going to another land. I done made it to America. I'm amazed at America. But I couldn't get approval to stay, so they sent me away from America. Anthony, I think you're still muted. Oh, thanks, man. Wow. I'm talking to the entire world except for myself. <laughs> See? Yeah. Voice. No, it was heard. Nobody, nobody could hear you like me. So, sorry. Um, I was saying welcome back, everybody. I apologize. Um, so, Section 45, and then we'll get in the standard round, and we have – you know, Mr. Warren Bellamy on the line, so hopefully he'll jump in with us and chip in, and we can get a couple of other callers to chip in because that'd be super nice. It's 646-668-8479, by the way. Um, but so the president says flipping in criminal prosecutions almost ought to be illegal, which, you know, because he kind of has this thing with somebody getting ready to snitch on him, he doesn't think snitching should be allowed kind of weird that now it's a problem all of a sudden because it's his problem. But, you know, don't want to really get into that. Um, Also, Lindsey Graham is saying that Trump could replace Jeff Sessions after the midterm, which is like a revolving door there. Um, Every time you turn around, he's replacing the cabinet member, and now we're about to have another one, which... Yeah, I'm not sure. 
because, you know, he's having all these issues with his cabinet kind of like breaking down from the inside out. Everybody that was on his team, not on his team. And this whole trial thing is getting a whole lot worse than I'm pretty sure he ever believed um, it would be. And I'm not sure why he figured it would all just uh, blow over. But they're granted a bunch of people immunity, stuff like that. So it's about to be, you know, Snitch Fest 2018 happening in D.C. And it's going to be terrible on his behalf. Um, and Mikey, I, I know you barely have a voice, but I, I do have to ask. I haven't seen anything where the president has said something about John McCain, especially since, you know, he said that thing about McCain, and, you know, and, you know, real heroes don't get caught and stuff like that, which I thought was kind of weird. So I haven't seen I haven't, anything since the whole McCain. I haven't seen anything either. Okay. So yeah, we and I'll try to find out, but yeah, I still don't know his whole part about that. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks coming up, you know, due to all these testimonies and everybody, you know, giving their side, their version. You know, Amorosa still saying she's holding on to a tape where you know he dropped the end bomb, which I still have questions about why she even sat through that meeting and heard that. So, you know, that's an entirely different question for a different time. But, yeah, that White House is on fire right now. And if you're a part of it all, it ain't a very good time to uh, to be there. Um, his uh, speechwriter is fired amid scrutiny for appearing um, with white nationalists which, yeah, bad luck. Yeah. You know, because uh, he hosted a publisher of a white nationalist um, magazine in his home. But I'm sure they're going to turn around and say stuff like coincidence and, oh, you know, no, it's not like that, or the best line ever, there are very good people on both sides of this thing. Very good people. Which, yeah. So, Manafort is found guilty on at least uh, one count in his trial, which is directly related to the president. Cohen, I mean, it just, like I said earlier, just keep going, 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 and going. Um, and it's basically about a bunch of payoffs, you know, back channel deals, the, the deal not deals with the Russians, stuff that they knew. And I'm not sure what exactly it's going to take to replace 45 as you know, the, the the leader of this uh, corporation, or, you know, they should because, well, who's up next, Pence? And that's not going to work out very well because that guy is probably worse. And by probably, I mean pretty sure. So, 
So now, with no further ado, no leaning music or anything, I wanted to touch on Stand Your Ground. And jumping right into it just because, you know, we are driving and going through um, this crazy part of, you know, the Florida-Georgia border. And if anybody's ever been here, yeah, we're in the country. So Stand Your Ground Law, sometimes called Line in the Sand or No Duty to Retreat Law, is a justification in criminal cases whereby defendants can stand their ground and use force without retreating in order to protect and defend themselves or others against threats or perceived threats. So stand your ground is kind of crazy because all you have to do is feel threatened enough. And you saw a case a couple of weeks back where this, you know, um, young black man came outside and his guy was like just chewing out and berating his old lady and his kid in the car for being parked in a handicapped spot. He pushes the guy down. The guy feels threatened, pulls out a gun and pops him for pushing him down. There, there's, there's good parts of the danger ground part, and then there's, you know, parts like that where you're just like, really? Like, that's the reason why you pulled out your gun and shot somebody? You know, and then you have the lady who she stood her ground against her abusive uh, either boyfriend or ex-husband or whatever, and she was sent to prison over it. So it's like it, it, it's a terrible gray area as to what is allowed, shouldn't be allowed. And it, 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 it's controversial because it, it's dark. Yeah. Mike? Yeah. Hey, yeah. It, it's Warren's on with you too, man. I was sending you the message. Oh, okay. I didn't see him light up. Hey, Warren. Hey, what's up? How y'all doing? Oh, doing well, man. How are you doing? I don't know. I'm if good. You... So y'all, y'all, are, y'all are driving home, huh? We are, yes, sir. All right. Well, y'all be safe. We're, we're trying, you know. And Mikey's talking like the sixth grader right now, so but he, he, yeah. he's pulling it through and running boards and everything. Yeah, he's a trooper. So um, this was your thing. So what what you got for us, Warren, on this? Okay, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I'm just first of all, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, sir. Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> don't know how many uh how many folks are aware of what's going on here in Florida as we talk about staying your ground because right now there's a there's a big uh a whole big uh, issue that's going on. Um not sure if it made national news, at least when it happened. I think uh, it finally made national news when the individual who did the shooting that um, later came around and said that, or not later, but right, right at the very beginning, came around and said that he was standing his ground, um, was actually arrested about a month later. But just to give a little background, as far as what happened, and again, I don't know how many people are aware of this if it made the national news at the time, but about a month ago, 
there was a, a shooting in Pinellas County uh, here in Florida, which is right next to where we are in Tampa, in the Tampa area, in Hillsborough County. But what happened was um, it was a, a, a family that pulled up into in a convenience store uh, parking lot. I believe it was a Circle K. And the boyfriend got out of the car. The, the, the girlfriend was driving. She had three kids in the car with her, two, two very young, and she had a five-year-old. The five-year-old was the oldest. Um, I think the youngest was a couple months old, and I think the other, the other was about two or so. Um, in any case, you know how we all do sometimes when we go to a convenience store, especially when we're not driving, when someone's driving us, you know, they, we tell them to pull over, you jump out, get what you got to get, and get back into the car, go on about your business. But in this case, the, the boyfriend... Uh, his name was Maurice McLaughlin, uh, a young black male. I think he was about 28 years old. He uh, gets out of the car, and the five-year-old is, you know, doing what five-year-olds do. Daddy, can I have this candy? Can I have this? Can I have that? So he decides to take his five-year-old into the store with him. So they get out the car, and the girlfriend is driving. And he was in the store for a couple of minutes, and I guess a, a, a spot came open, and she decided to take it. But the thing is, it was a handicap spot. So she pulls into the handicap spot. Um, Maurice McLaughlin and, and the five-year-old are still in the store. So when the girlfriend pulls into the um, handicap parking spot, a gentleman by the name of Michael Dredzka, uh, I believe he was about 41 years old. He's uh, a white white male. He and, and this is all on on uh, on, on camera. The store, the store surveillance camera picked this up, and you can Google it, or I'm sorry, not Google it, but YouTube it. And you can see the whole incident. But what happened was he immediately, when the girlfriend, when uh, Maurice McLaughlin's girlfriend uh, pulls into the spot, Michael Dreska immediately looks at the car. She was driving a large SUV, looked like a Ford Explorer or uh, you know something something along those lines, maybe a Ford Expedition. But you see him immediately walk to the back of the car, and what he's looking for, come to find out, he's looking for a handicap tag. Well, he doesn't see that, and I guess he doesn't see the placard hanging from the mirror, like, like you know, a lot of, lot, of, lot of us have. And he confronts her. And you can see her, the girlfriend, roll down the window, words are exchanged, and... Maurice McLaughlin was in line with his five-year-old son waiting to buy, I think they had some candy, some drinks, some snacks, things like that. He sees what's going on through the window of the store, you know, uh, Michael Dresker confronting the girlfriend, words are exchanged. At this point, the girlfriend gets out of the car, and you can see them still exchanging words. And what does Maurice McLaughlin do? You know, he does what probably 99% of all men would do, you know, who has a, a, a wife or a girlfriend they see in a confrontation with, you know, a strange man. So he walks up on this um, gentleman, Michael Dredzka, and he may say something, he may, may have shouted something, don't know, but he shoves him, and he shoves him to the ground. I mean, he pushed this guy hard, and he falls. Michael Dredzka falls. Well, at that point... Maurice McLaughlin is looking down at Michael Dredger. Michael Dredger is about 10, 12 feet away, again, on the ground, because Maurice McLaughlin shoved him, and he fell to the ground. And there's a period of about 
three or four seconds. Don't know, again, if anything was said between them, but Maurice McLaughlin made no, uh, you know, no moves to, you know, jump on him when he's down, to kick him when he's down or anything like that. So three or four seconds pass, and Michael Dreska reaches into his gun, pulls, reaches into his pocket, pulls out a gun, and shoots Maurice McLaughlin. Maurice McLaughlin stumbles back into the convenience store, collapses at the feet of his five-year-old son, and dies two hours later in the hospital. Well, what happened was the sheriffs, the Pinellas County Sheriff's deputies arrive at the scene. Of course, they, you know, conduct, a, they do a canvas, they do an investigation, all that. The Pinellas County Sheriff, I don't, I don't remember his name, but I know that he's not just the sheriff, but he also has a law degree, decided that because Michael Dredgeco was invoking his rights under Stand Your Ground, decided not to arrest him on the scene, basically just let him go home and sleep in his bed. There was a lot of backlash over this whole incident. Of course, you know, you can imagine the community, um, you know, all of uh, Pinellas County, the community and spilled into Hillsborough County, some of Polk County, you know, there was a, a, a huge backlash. The sheriff took a lot of heat because um, the question was asked, and it's a legitimate one, well, who are you to make that call? You know, it, it, in these instances, there's always or usually always is an arrest at the scene, and then you let things kind of work, them, work themselves out. You know, to make that call at the scene was highly questionable and somewhat prejudicial, all right? Now, come to find out that, you know, this, this Michael Dredgeka, and this is, you know, right after the shooting, maybe a, a week or so after the shooting, that other people were coming out, other witnesses were coming out, and not only did uh, Michael Dredgeka do this before, he didn't shoot and kill anyone, but he threatened people in that same parking lot, in that same convenience store parking lot. There was a, a black driver. Um, he, was, uh, he drove a, I believe it was a fuel truck, and he was interviewed by the media and told them that about three, four months earlier, he, his truck, he was driving a large tanker truck, and, and the back end of his truck was, was, was blocking the same handicap spot. And he was confronted by Michael Dredgeka, told to move his truck, and, you know, again, words were exchanged, but the driver of the tanker truck said, you know what, I don't have time for this. He gets in his truck and drives off. But this, this Michael Dredgeka was, he was casing the joint. He was looking for a victim or looking for someone to kill, basically. He had a concealed carry permit, so he was a per per permitted uh, weapons holder or owner, uh, licensed to carry and conceal, but again, it later comes out that even his own family said that he had no business not just owning a gun, but being able to conceal and carry it. Um, so this, this, is, this is what's going on. Now, what happened is about a month later, after all the protests, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, all those people come and, and lead protests, marches, things like that, but it took a month before the um, state's attorney, the Florida state's attorney, decided to step in and charge Michael Dredko with, with second degree, I believe it was manslaughter. Um, anyone who saw this video, uh, I'm going to tell you, because immediately when I saw it, 
I said, no way, no way was this was this stand your ground. He he was in he was in no danger. Yes, he was shoved to the ground, and he may not have liked that, but he didn't have the right to reach into his pocket, pull out a gun, and shoot this man, uh, in essence, dead, and then go on about his business and not even have the Pinellas County Sheriff charge him on the scene, let him go home, and then a month later, because the state's attorney stepped in and decided that, uh, in, in their judgment, it wasn't a stand your ground uh, case, even the NRA, the National Rifle Association, backed off of this because they saw the NRA uh, uh, folks actually saw this video, and even the NRA said, "No, this is not an this is not a stand your ground situation." So he's been charged with second degree manslaughter. Um, they're expecting that the trial would be sometime maybe next year. He just recently, Michael Dresker, the shooter. Um, has a GoFundMe, and believe it or not, just like people do, they they fund uh, these 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 people um, because obviously he claimed that, that he's indigent, doesn't have money um, for a defense, doesn't have money for bail. So, um, like I said, these these lawyers out here um, are looking. They they've decided he he, do, he does have a pretty high-powered law, lawyer taking the case. Obviously, in my opinion, just somebody looking to make a name for themselves. So Stand Your Ground is on trial here in Florida. Uh, we have a gubernatorial race that's um, taking place, and, of course, that's the hot-button topic is, is this whole thing with Stand Your Ground. A lot of people are waiting to see what these candidates are going to do. Obviously, they, they know the, that there's a lot of intensity behind this, so, of course, they're going to say all the right things. Uh, they're going to look at it. Some of you even talking about repealing it. Some are talking about, you know, fixing the law, um, making it harder for people um, to use this as a defense, especially when it's not warranted. Again, I, I, I don't know how many people out there actually saw this video, but just do a quick YouTube search of it and watch it for yourselves if you haven't. Um, it's kind of hard to watch because you're, you're watching a, a young father of three kids um, taking his last breath. And like I said, this, the, the, ultimately the, the most the saddest thing about this is him seeing him after getting shot, staggering into the, into the convenience store uh, and collapsing at the feet of his five-year-old son. That, that's, that was just, uh, you know, that was just, I, I couldn't imagine. But the contrast in that is um, how the law is applied. Because, again, here in Florida, Back in, uh, I believe it was 2014, there was a, an elderly black man by the name of uh, Trevor Dooley who shot and killed his neighbor, a younger white male, in Riverview, Florida, I believe it is, which is in Hillsborough County. And he, on the scene, said that he was standing his ground, that this, this younger white male, he didn't, you know, not, just uh, uh, they got into an argument. They were neighbors, ne never got along. But it boiled up, I guess, uh, at this point. There was a, uh, an argument that took place right there in, in the street between the two men, and Trevor Dooley pulled out his gun and shot his neighbor. Um, immediately, he was arrested and sentenced to, I want to say, 15 years. Um, just recently, he was granted a, 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 another trial 
there was some additional evidence to come up, but this was back in 2014, so he's already spent almost five years in jail. Uh, like I said, was immediately arrested and, uh, and, and was later found guilty, um, you know, in a trial of, of, uh, of uh, I believe it was first-degree manslaughter. Um, another instance where the, the, the law is applied, you know, um, just, just, just has you scratching your head, there was a, an active-duty Air Force airman by the name of Michael Giles who was in, I believe, Jacksonville back in 2015 or 16 was at a party with some friends and they got into a fight with um, some local college fraternity brothers. A uh, fight broke out. Uh, Michael Giles was hit, punched. He had a license to carry and conceal just like Trevor Dooley did. Um, again, because Michael Giles, uh, being black, uh, shot into the crowd, didn't kill anyone, but was sentenced to 25 years for attempted second-degree murder. And his trial, I think, uh, or he, no, actually, he's, he's looking to get another trial, but right now he's still sitting in jail, um, you know, on a, on a 25-year uh, sentence. So here in Florida, like I said, this, this is a hot-button topic. Um, I can only imagine that as it gets closer to this trial uh, with uh, this Michael Dredgeka, that I think at that point it'll start to pick up, it'll start to grow legs on the national level. Not just not because it's controversial, because it is to us here in Florida, especially, but because we all know how the media does. You know, uh, if it bleeds, it leads. Um, so they're going to try to parallel or cross-reference this to the Trayvon Martin situation with George Zimmerman and all these different things. Um, so you'll start hearing, I'm sure, more of this as we get closer to trial. But um, it's a big thing right now here in Florida. Um, just, just I tell anyone who comes here to Florida, just be careful uh, when you come through here. Um, if you're a responsible gun owner and have a license to carry, you know that you don't go seeking confrontation. You look to avoid it. And you use deadly force only as a last resort. But a lot of these people are using uh, the law of stand your ground to go out there, be confrontational, take people on, and, you know, God only knows what, uh, what, what can happen after that. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I don't get why they're only charging a dude in manslaughter. Um, but so apparently we have a couple of uh, – a couple of callers on hold that would like to pitch in. So, um, Mikey, if you can bring one in. All um, right, they're on. Hello, caller. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm okay. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing much. So, you're on with We the People. You're playing Anthony and uh, also Warren joining us. How can we help you? Well, yeah, just real quick, uh, good information, uh, from the guy giving the breakdown on everything uh, with those cases. But just overall, you got to understand, these standing your ground, these are vigilante laws. Uh, these are laws based in the idea of fear and also based in the idea of hatred of the other. So when you get the, the, the spooky so-called black man who's coming to get you, you get that idea in your head and you get the idea that you're the arbiter of law and order, you're going to get stuff like this. But then the other factor in this is, uh, not only were mandatory minimums bad, but also codifying laws uh, that kind of lay the, 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 the 
I guess you could say, lay the brunt of work at the feet of the the jury as opposed to the the system uh, where you say, okay, we've decided that this Daniel Ground law will protect people in a situation, you know, that's uh, self-defense and someone's fleeing for their life uh, to save their lives. And then you look at it, you're like, okay, do you guys really have that many cases where this would justify coming up with this law because these cases are just pouring through your system and so many people are being unjustly uh, accused or unjustly uh, sentenced? No, that's not the case. This is a case to where that group in Florida, and I would say majority white in Florida that is racist as hell, this is the law that they want. Now, if this law doesn't work, then the jury <laughs> the jury of their peers will uh, usually uh, find them not guilty uh, as well. So the same your ground laws, this is some wild, wild west uh, vigilante <laughs> nonsense that never – uh, should have even gotten this far. And now that it has, you see all of the flaws and loopholes within it, and people are acting as if they can just stage the scene the way they want to uh, in order to do the things that they really want to do. Think about that law and order point that rings so <laughs> so loudly right now, and this guy is policing a handicapped spot to the point of starting confrontations uh, to have his dream moment of shooting a, a person. Uh, of a group that he doesn't like. So, I mean, this stuff doesn't surprise me uh, from the moment it was initiated. This is how, I mean, this could end no other way. This is a really bad law, uh, dereliction of duty, honestly, by the court system, and we see the tragic results. Yeah, and that's great. Uh, I appreciate it. Is, it, is uh, Daryl? Daryl, the caller now? No. no, this is Nas. No, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, you bring up some great points. Um don't know where you're from or how familiar you are with this case here in Florida, the most recent one with uh, Dretschka and, and, and uh, Maurice McLaughlin. But how did you feel, or, or if you did, if you were uh, familiar with it, how did you feel or what, did you, what do you think about the sheriff, the sheriff himself, an elected official, coming out at the scene and immediately saying it was a case of Spaniel Brown? How did you feel about that? Yeah, that's what I mean about circumventing the actual, you know, process. When you put something like this in place, guys like him who have these uh, horrible ideas about who people are, what they are, what their intentions are, they can automatically go to uh, what they think the outcome is as opposed to actually looking at it and treating it as if it's a real case. Uh, yeah, it was amazing to see that guy go up there and say what he said. Any lawyer worth their salt should be able to kind of, you know, show how this process was, uh, I mean, from the crime scene to the initial judgment, and then this guy saying all this stuff at a presser in uniform, like, dude, you are clearly not a, a not a uh, unbiased, you know, uh, body here. You, you're biased, and you're trying to color the case in a way that you want it to go uh, early on in the process. So yeah, that that part was not only alarming. I kind of expect it when it comes to you know certain certain areas. <laughs> Well, I want—I wonder too if it—if it would taint a potential jury because the defense, Michael Dretzky's defense, can now say that the sheriff himself even determined that it was—it was in his opinion. And and again, this particular sheriff has a law degree, and the defense or the can can say to a potential jury that he can bring—they can bring into evidence that press conference that the sheriff held where he stood up there for I don't know how long, maybe. 20, 30 minutes running through basically what, what in his mind 
um, makes this a case of stand your ground. So the defense could, in essence, actually use that against the, the prosecution because the sheriff was initially on board. It took the state's attorney's office to jump in a month later, a month and a half later, and charge this man uh, you know, with, with the crime. And just like you mentioned also, this Michael Dredger was um, known to case that particular parking spot. I don't know what his deal is. He, he decided to make himself the handicaps, the handicap parking space Nazi, and he was looking for people to confront. There are numerous witnesses, like I said, the, 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 uh, the tanker driver who was threatened by him. He actually told this tanker driver, a black man, that he was going to kill him and was heading to his vehicle when this driver said, you know what, basically, I don't have time for this, got in his truck, went on about his business. Even the store owner at this particular Circle K uh, told investigators that he had repeatedly uh, had to call the police on this Dredger guy and have him leave the premises because he was accosting and he was confronting patrons of this particular store. So it tells you right there that this man had, he had an agenda. He was looking for someone uh, for some sick reason to use the law of stand your ground, conceal carry to carry out a murder. And he did. Yeah. And when you get a high profile case where the person walks away, that of course encourages other people to take on that vigilante attitude. And you know you kind of you kind of can see this coming with it, with a guy like that uh, who who's feels feels like things haven't gone his way and has found a group of people to blame for this and now he's going to go around and make sure that they're not breaking the laws and they're doing things right because he does things right. Uh, you can easily see how somebody can make themselves you know into an egomaniac who uh, you know in, in his mind is making things right. And to your, uh, the, the, the officer, as far as having a law degree, look, I got an uncle who's a chef. He also works on cars. Never let that brother touch your car, okay? Like, that man is, is not practicing law for a reason. So, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you, you got a degree. That, that doesn't mean you should be up there trying to adjudicate things from the podium in a position that doesn't require it. Uh, if you're so-called well-versed in the law, you should have known that. So it's like, it's mistake after mistake after mistake on this, but but overall, man, when it comes down to it, this never should have been enacted. They are solving a problem that did not actually exist and made a bigger problem uh, in the way that they do things. Uh, you're supposed to have a jury of your peers, and we can settle things. Whenever we try to codify law into a little box, mandatory minimum sentencing and things like that, what ends up happening is you create more injustice than you do justice uh, based on the so-called topic. So, you know, mm. this, this is just another mm. one uh, similar to some of the drug laws. But I'll back yeah. out, man. Thanks for the info and good show. No, thank you. Thank you. Great call. You're welcome. Um, well, we've got one more. Mikey, what you got for us, man? He's well, on you know, there. Listen to, yeah, listen to the other caller. I don't agree with that. I think that the, when I seen it, uh, that incident, I think that the shooter was all in his right to do what he's done. Now, this stuff about him uh, patrolling the parking lot uh, or the parking space, well, is that against the law for him to do that? 
Is it against the law for him to remind someone, look, you're parking in a handicap zone? If somebody who comes there and that's handicapped and needs that spot because it's wider and it affords them uh, convenience in order to get out of the car and put their wheelchair down, or should they have to confront the person too? And if he no, wanted that, to shoot that, somebody, would he not have shot the woman? And when is it that no, you just no, run up to somebody woman, and hit him upside the, the head? The woman didn't shove him to the ground. Um, well, you know, I mean, we, we can disagree. We can agree to disagree regarding the, the, the intent or, or, and all of that. What you said you saw the video, I see it completely different than you, and that's fine. I, I, I respect, you know, your opinion of it. But... Again, let me finish before I lose my train of thoughts, if it's okay with you. After all, this is your show, and after I hang up, you can make all the comments. But the thing is, is that the man shouldn't have done what he done. He was talking to the woman from what I've seen on the video. And he wasn't being violent to the woman. He was talking to the woman. So he shouldn't have done what he's done. I'm from, I, I uh, hail from Missouri. Missouri is a constitutional carry state. You don't need a license to carry. If you're going to open carry, you do need to have a permit. And I have the permit where I can open carry and also conceal carry. And I've seen, and to my understanding, going back to the Trayvon Martin uh, incident, there wasn't nobody there but those two. And I hear all these assumptions of what may have happened. And I teach my kids and grandkids, when they're in a situation like that where somebody's following them, run home. But the thing is, is that uh, my understanding is that stand your ground, blacks in Florida benefit more than whites do. And they make up a smaller pop- portion of the population on stand your ground. And I've seen some stand your grounds in Florida. One I've seen where this black woman was at the filling station. And this man, I think he was black came up and was giving her a hard time to go. And uh, she reached in her tr- back of her car and pulled out a long rifle. And then the guy kept approaching her. So he shot. she shot him. Well, she should have shot him. And I would have done the same thing. So, and, and here's another thing. The police comes to the scene, and he makes the uh, judgment after canvassing and asking questions. And I think that should be good enough. And if the man had some evil intent, he probably would have fled. But uh, no, I think that what he done, he was legal. He was justified in doing for what I seen. I think if he had been in Missouri or Louisiana, it wouldn't have been no problem. Well, here's the thing nowadays, man. When do people start putting, understanding the cause and effect? When you cause something, there's going to be an effect. I see this big harp now, and this is kind of off the subject, if you don't mind. Well, you want felons to be able to vote. Felons who go out and commit a felony do a grievous act against a citizen that may cost them monetary damages, and you never pay them for the damages that they call, and all of a sudden you want all your quote-unquote civil rights back. That's totally ridiculous. But anyway, that's me. All right, I got it. You know. Oh, one other thing real quick. Those who have concealed carry need to get concealed carry insurance, which is very cheap. It's about $125 a year. I'm a lifetime member of the NRA. I'm African-American. And uh, it's only about $125. And, uh, and there's another company out there just a little bit more. But it, uh, it protects you 
in instances like this with your attorney fees and, you know, protect you from being sued and so on. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I've I've got a question for you. You, you brought up some points. Um, I said I wasn't going to participate, but I'm I'm going to a little bit. Are Are you the same person? You said that you you were older and you and you got grandkids, right? Yes. Are you the same person you were when you were 18 years old? Pretty much, yes. I was responsible. I came from a functional home. I came from a functional family, and we was taught uh, our civil responsibilities and uh, how you supposed to carry those out. So, so in the in the in the 30, let's just say in the 30 years since you were 18 or more, you haven't changed at all. No. Oh yes, I've got I've gotten older, grayer, put on a little weight. I'm more conservative no. now on some issues because my economic status has changed. But uh, no, I still pretty much hold the same values because you know I grew up around those, those values. I hear people say I that mean, they grew up in the South, uh, and uh, well, I grew up in the North. I grew up in in suburbia, northern cities. And I hear people say, well, we grew up in the South. So you can have different experience than what I did. All blacks are not the same. Right. I just, I, I think that most people would say that in 30 years that they're, that they don't, they don't even recognize the person they were when they were younger. I, well, I, you, were talking, <laughs> you were talking about felons and voting. Like, I, I don't think that someone that commits a crime, whether it's a felony or not, when they're younger, I don't think they should have that penalized for them. They still have a voice. They still have a right, and you cannot agree with that, and that's okay. I also well, um, do you they, believe that they should also try to make recompense on what it is that they caused damage to the person that uh, was the victim of their actions? That's what their prison sentence is for. They're paying their debt to society. That's what it's called. That's what they're doing. That's why and there's also and there's also civil them. judgments. There's also civil judgments that can be fined. That can be fined. Well, that's, you know, I see in these a, areas a criminal case as well as a civil case, and that happens all the time. I see they're in these areas. Yeah, I see in these areas. Yeah, you said they're paying their debt to society, but also states have a right to set the franchisement when it comes to voting or laws or rules and regulation per state. A federal election is, is is a different animal, but a state has the right to set who votes under what circumstances. That's the, the, there's their sovereign states, their sovereign entities. I got you. Also, when when you were talking about the video, and I haven't seen it yet, um, was there was there audio with the video, or was it surveillance camera footage only? It was surveillance. It was surveillance. It was surveillance. It was, yeah, it was surveillance. So, yeah. So you you couldn't tell what was the exchange between the man and the woman, correct? You, well, you I couldn't hear, but I could look, look and okay. see. I, I look, you could see where he approached her. Okay. You know, yeah, he was approaching her. Let me, her ask, and, you, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, um, caller. I'm yeah. sorry, I, I I I didn't get your name, but um, let me let me ask you this. You said that you you grew up, you know, in a responsible household. And I'm sure that included protect, protecting what's yours, not just your property, but your family. Now, I know you're a lot older and a lot wiser now, but this was a 28-year-old black man 
who saw his girlfriend, the mother of his three children, approached outside of a vehicle. I'm sure words were heated. Okay, and he heard this, saw this. Yes, all these wrongs don't make a right. Yes, she should not have parked in a handicapped parking spot. Yes, he should not have put his hands on Michael Drecker, Maurice McLaughlin, that is. And yes, Michael Drecker should not have shot him because, again, we can disagree all day about the video as far as what we both witnessed. But to me, there was no threat against Michael Dredge's safety at the point where he was on the ground looking up at Maurice McLaughlin from a distance of 12 feet when a four, three to four second interval took place before between him falling to the ground and reaching in his pocket, pulling out his gun and shooting Maurice McLaughlin dead that period of time. And like I said, Maurice McLaughlin did not make any gestures towards him he wasn't being aggressive towards him there's a point in the video if you see it where it looks like he kind of turned his body and was about to kind of look like he was going to head back to the store I mean he was turning away it wasn't like he was rushing him or anything like that so that's why I to me it doesn't well look, let me let me address it look like it was a stand your ground yeah. issue let me address it for one thing are you afraid of dogs no, no, I'm not. All right, but some people are. Some people are terrified of dogs. I hear so this you're all the time. That Michael Dredger, being white, looked at Maurice McLaughlin when Michael, he was a dog Michael and he was afraid of him. Michael Dredger was a human being. That's why I, was, so I he, didn't even know he was He white. had the stereotype already embedded in his mind that this black man was a threat simply because yeah, but he was how white. Do, well, how, well, when blacks walk down the streets in Chicago, they got a stereotype in their mind also. Right? You talk, Are you referring to like the black on black issue, or I mean, well, if, if, if they're gonna the stereotype that they have in their mind that something was to happen to them, and they see that stereotypical figure coming down the street, well, they're gonna take some precautions to it, pay more attention. And it could to be it. a stereotypical white figure. I can see a skinhead white male walking to me, all tatted up. What am I supposed to think? Well, what if you see a bald-headed black man all tatted up? Just a bald-headed black man all tatted up? What I'm saying is, in either case, it it doesn't justify anything in my mind. To, well, yes, to, but to the thing is... Threat. I, don't, I don't walk around with a victim mentality. I just do but not But that's do that. you. That's you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like I hear people say that police... Uh, when they pull their gun and shoot, they say they fear for life. Well, maybe they do. Uh, some people protect their homes. Some may protect their homes with a nine millimeter. Some with a forty-five. Some with a twenty-two. Some with a baseball bat. Or some with just a ADT uh, house alarm system on, sign on their front yard. You can't okay, tell so if Maurice, people. If Maurice McLaughlin, if Maurice McLaughlin was so wrong in shoving. Michael Dreska, and, and you're, you're telling us that Michael Dreska had the right at that time to shoot him. If that were you, if that were you, okay, and that was your woman out there and your two kids in the vehicle, one five-year-old inside the store, and you see this confrontation, you're going to tell me you're different than probably 95% of well, if, every if man the shooter, walking around that would not do anything in that Well, instance? let me answer that. If the shooter is is is, is notorious and horrific as you say he would, he would have shot the woman or would have hit the woman. But he didn't do no. that. So, no. 
Well, see, no. that's you. But um, you asked me, right? You asked me what's my opinion. I'm giving you my opinion. How if she, I had, see, here's the thing. Well, sir, listen, listen, listen. Anything you say, I'm not going to agree with you on that. I think the man was and right. That's fine. That's okay, fine. then let me finish explaining my position. You've now, my position. Your position. No, I have not. You ain't heard you, nothing you're, yet. You explained your position is Michael Dreska had the right to pull out a gun and shoot that young brother. It, right, and that man, and that man, that father, uh, the the boyfriend. I thought you were going to say the husband of three children with this woman, if she was his wife. Does it matter? Does yes, it, matter? it does. Well, does it matter that what uh, Michael Dreska done two months ago? He yes, didn't kill does. anybody. What because he was doing he was not against the law. Premeditated. It was no, it was not meditated. premeditated. That led up to what? He didn't kill nobody then. Let, let, no, he didn't kill anybody then. Wait. But it was premeditated that he was going to chase that parking lot, looking for someone to confront because he knew the coward that he was. He knew that he had protection. And you say, well, if he was so scared, he why didn't he walk away? No, case in the parking lot. Case in the parking lot is not against the law. Walking up and smacking somebody. It is if you tell. No, it is not. If it was, then he would be in jail. I would imagine. Blocking the handicapped spot that I'm going to kill you. All right. So what's the fine that the car gets for parking? You get in your truck and drive away because you don't want to have to deal with it. All right. Now you said that. Now let me ask this question: What is the fine that the motorist that parked in the handicap? Handicapped lot is supposed to pay by five hundred dollars. Maybe why come the cop didn't give her? Well, why come the cop didn't cite her? She should be cited too. The motorist of that vehicle for parking and her automobile, her vehicle was not authorized to park in that spot. We know that, but brother, that guy. She's guilty. She's guilty. So what do you expect now that her her boyfriend, the father of her three children, are dead? Now the cops are going to go back and say, well, you know what? You shouldn't have been parked there. We're going to slap you with a $500. You know, well, on. you know what I would have done? I would have, I would have told, I said, we're going to move the car. And you know the reason why? Because the repercussions, the effects from the cars can be very serious where I'm not around to take care of those three kids. Now the state has got to probably take care of those three kids. Brother, you're making a lot of bad assumptions. The state no, I'm not making well, that's your woman, opinion. You don't know this woman? How's the state going to why does the state have to take care of this woman's children? I said why? Probably. Why? Why even probably? How do you know? Well, hopefully he had insurance. That that's sort of beside the point. But not only that, the the guy when he And most black men don't carry life insurance. Sorry. Now we we know that is a fact. Sir. I mean that's the, hey. Hey, you, you talk, you pause. I'm having a hard time talking yeah, period and, and think that it's that it's worth me actually chiming in. So, um, the the gentleman that um that shot the guy, the Michael Dredger guy, the the fact that he has been had the police called on him and has threatened another black man, saying that I'm going to kill you. That that shows a pattern of behavior, and courts do look at that. It does go a long way to show that it's premeditated. He was there looking for something to happen, and to shoot and kill a man over something that's trivial as being parked in a handicapped spot. Well, it wasn't. Well, the shooting came. No, wait, hold on a second. Okay. Like I said, you had your, you had your chance to talk to my All friend. All right. Now. 
I thought you just so, paused. No, no, just trying to catch my breath because, like I said, I have a hard time speaking. So, over something as tr- I would never confront anyone over parking in a handicapped spot just because I don't know their situation. And for me to have the audacity to, first of all, case the back of their car and then get in close enough to where I could look and see if there was something hanging. And I have a lot of handicapped friends. So, I mean, it's and there's no way that I would, as a man, begin to yell at any woman or confront any woman over being parked in a handicap because I don't know their situation. So that goes a long way to show that the shooter was being confrontational too. So he was looking for a fight, and there's no surprise that he found one. And when that fight ends in the murder of another human, then that's exactly what it was. He murdered that man. Should he have got pushed to the ground? No. But sometimes when you pick a fight, that's what happens. And you're married, or I assume you have you have kids and grandkids, so there's there's probably a wife involved. If all my siblings, wife, all my siblings conceal care and they taught to protect themselves. But there's also a long way to say between an altercation with a man who has pushed you and is not using deadly force to go automatically to deadly force. Well, wait, so he pushed the man to the ground, and the man was stunned. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You pushed the man to the ground, and the man was stunned for three or four seconds. Didn't know where he was. He turns around and looks up, and he sees this person that's taking a deep breath like he's coming toward him again. I will shoot him. There's even I don't even know if I want to leave my house. Are, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not I, I going to Missouri to anytime soon. That's for sure. I, I have something to say, and um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I have something to say, and I. Oh, okay. so I'm, I'm just gonna say, Ramon, I'm done. I can't go. I can't talk anymore. Well, you done good. Well, here's what I have to say because as a female, and I'm looking at my position as a female. So as a female, um, women park a lot of places to be looking for their kids, wherever their kids at, or whatever. You know, um, for a while I was just a single mother, and I had very very small children. And if I needed to get closer to something just for a moment to maneuver, whether it was legal or not or whatever the case, that, at that point that didn't matter. My kids mattered. And if I needed to move my car, I'd move my car. It's really simple. For someone to come, and even if, it, even if um, forget it was a, a, a handicapped parking spot. Let's forget that, okay? So I'm a woman. And if I park in a pregnancy parking spot at Target and I am um, a month pregnant and someone comes looking up to say, oh, you are not pregnant, you don't look pregnant, you don't act pregnant, you don't have a pregnancy sticker on your car, and they come confrontational to me, then there's going to be a problem, period, with that. Now, you talk about um, the stereotypical things and stuff like that. So with my family being from Chicago, um, it doesn't matter if you're in Chicago or not in Chicago. 
I'm in a position to where I am always cautious about where I'm at, my surroundings, and everything such as that. I, and I believe I spoke with you before about um, uh, my family military. So we're not just used to American threats. We're used to terroristic threats from people overseas. You can be in a terroristic situation at any moment. So someone coming to come up to me to confront me about a parking spot. I have kids in the way. My first job, me as a woman, I'm thinking to protect my kids, period, point, blank, the end. I'm going to utilize my words. I'm going to try to get them in a safe situation. Uh, and I'm taught to protect my family by all means, cost, situations, and things such as that. Um, that's the way that I'm taught to protect my kids and protect my family. But I'm going to use reason. When I have my gun on me, because I am a concealed license-carrying person and I believe in my rights, but I also have that thought process and the right to pull the trigger, does the situation I'm in by somebody yelling and screaming at me about a parking spot warrant me to pull my, my gun and draw and shoot that trigger? No. Does it? someone putting their hands on me warrant me to pull my, my gun, draw, pull the trigger, and shoot somebody? No. Does someone putting my life in imminent danger and threatening and things such as that? Because, see, we have things where we can say, okay, well, I believe it was moral threats. We talked about dogs. We talked about um, people, what's the lack thereof. But I'm sorry, as a mother who is taught to and lives in terroristic situations where at a moment you can get a bomb dropped on you, something can blow up, and you got kids, and I'm a single mother, I'm a single black mother for a long time, let me just say that, and anybody and everybody is a threat to me. You have to have moral, 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 moral thoughts before you pull that trigger. And be and I, scared. I, I agree with scared. you, ma'am. I agree I with you wholeheartedly. I have been scared. Mm-hmm. He had no right to pull that trigger. And oh, let me take that back. He had the right to pull the trigger. He had that right. And therefore, now he's going to go to jail. He had the right. Now he's going to go to jail. Well, and, are you done? And that's what it boils down to. Well, um, no, I'm not. So, we, we, and on this show, you know, and I, and I want to be clear with, and that's what uh, Anthony and speakers and colleagues and everything else such as that, we always yield the floor to opinions, and then we always do it respectfully and things such as that. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to be heard for a moment. Um, but it all comes down to your moral thought process and everything. So if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find trouble. And that's just period points. Like, I've walked the streets of Chicago. I understand what it's like to be under threat. And being a survivor of domestic abuse for eight years from, you know, my five kids that I had and my, you know, their father and being the, the stereotypical black female or whatever the case may be, I lived under the constant threat. So it does not give me the right stuff. It gives me the right. Let me give it moralistically, if that's the word that I can utilize, to pull the trigger and take another human's life. I have the right to do it, but I have to face the consequences of doing so. This gentleman 
this gentleman here, he took away a mother, uh, the children's father, okay? If they were married or not married, it doesn't even matter. He was there to protect the person. Regardless if he was sitting there arguing with her, screaming and yelling, whatever the case may be, the guy came up into their situation. He doesn't even know if he was yelling at the, 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 the kids about the watermelon seed. He came into a situation. He went and, and confrontationally said it. He could have called the police. There were so many different options that he could do, but he chose to use deadly force in a situation that did not warrant it. And that is what I have to say concerning that. Mm-hmm. We can sit there and everybody has an opinion as what it should be. My opinion is my own. And, um, you know, Mikey's opinion is his own and everything else. But I can literally say, and, that, and you know, as a female, as a mother, a single mother of five, as a, a stereotypical black person, you know, that had the father, that husband that left and um, was beat on for eight years and everything such as that, and had to go through the system and work your way out the system and, you know, going through all those things. I represent every stereotypical black female that there is. And I still wouldn't have used that force in a situation like that. And thank you all for listening to my opinion. Well, I agree with your logic on when you should use deadly force. But the boyfriend didn't have to come up and steal the man and hit him behind his back and either, from what I've seen on the video. He could have came around and got between the man and his girlfriend and handled things from that way. See, when you hit somebody like that, and we've seen these knockout gangs that these hootlins do in the in the streets where they run up behind not only men, old elderly people, but women also. But when you hit somebody in their days, suppose he had a fell to the curb and hit his head. If he would have fell to the curb and hit his head, then everything would him. be reversed. And killed him. So if it was reversed in a situation like that, he probably could have had a manslaughter charge on that. But then you have to look at intent. One thing that they talk about when it comes down to accidents and things such as that, who has the last clear chance to do the right thing? So, you know, when, and I know that you, we, we're talking about situations and what ifs and things such as that. So, um, there's, you know, there's always this common thing where if you get into a car accident, you rear in somebody from behind or whatever, um, you're automatically at fault for that because this is what you did. Well, well absolutely. You're supposed longer. to control your car. <laughs> you're supposed to control your car and, you know, do all those things. Well, now you got people who we, we were taught you're supposed to brake check. If they're tailgating you, they're doing all these things, you're supposed to brake check these people and get them off your, your, your tail. But if that person rear-ends you while you're brake checking them, then, um, you know, you're still at fault because you're the one that rear-ending it. Well, no, that's no longer the case. Because the person in front, if you can see that person behind you, there's other things you can do besides brake checking them. You have the last clear chance to do the right thing to slow up. You can slow up. There's so many different things that you can do. You can flash your, your windshield wipers, do everything else, windshield fluid, spray it out, speed up, you know, slow down or whatever the case, without brake checking. So many different things that you can do. It's called the last clear chance. This gentleman was pushed to the ground by um, the, the, the guy 
pushed to the ground. He could have been dazed. So if he was dazed and confused, he had the last clear chance to do the right thing. He could have picked up the phone and called 911. If his phone fell out and broke because he fell on it, he could have sat there on the ground and waited for that situation to diffuse. He could have went inside the store. He could have crawled inside the store. There's many different things that you can do when you have the last clear chance. But the thing is, is that the law says he has the right to stand his ground. He don't have to crawl away from it. Right. And he exercises. It's going to be played out in court. But if I'm on that jury, he's not guilty. He was using stand your ground. That's me. And the good thing about the American system is that they give you the option and the right to stand in front of your peers and to give that chance. And so with you being able to stand in front of your peers and present your case, you can say, oh, my life was threatened. I felt this way. I did all of this. I felt like crying. You know, I threw it for myself. But it's up to your peers to determine what is right and what is wrong and the laws that are in place for that. Is it a standard ground case? You say, if I'm on that jury, yes, it would be. But if, you know what, if it was a clear standard ground case, it would even be at a, a position for a jury. It's clear cut, standard ground, no charges filed, the end. And However, you know, it, uh, in this case, it's, it is not. Every form of life has a right of self-defense, by the way, too. But the, anyway, interesting we, uh, conversation. We, hold on one second. One second. Before we oh, backtrack, sorry, we have another caller that wanted to talk uh, to. Caller, you're on with us now, okay? Can you hear me? All right. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. You're yes. welcome. All right. I just wanted to take the time to say the problem that everybody's really kind of facing right now is a, one of identification. We need to identify who's the victim and who's the perpetrator. And then what it actually is going on is they're both victims, they're both perpetrators. And what people keep doing with this argument is whoever they identify with the most, they're saying that they're right, when it's really, as everybody keeps trying to say, there's two wrongs. But the difference is the guy that actually did the shooting, he was a victim of assault. The assault was over with and completed before he killed the other man. Now, I live in Florida, and it's a stand-your-ground state, et cetera, et cetera. We also have rules of self-defense, and stand-your-ground is an extension of the self-defense. And what the difference is, is, as everyone says, you have to be in fear for your life. It has to be an immediate danger. You have to think that this person is actually coming for you. Everyone and their mom always says, what if he would have hit his head and cracked it open and died? And in real, and according to the Florida law, the way that it actually works is if he turned his head to the left and saw somebody rushing at him to push him down, not knowing what's going to happen, if he shot that man in the head at that point, it stands your ground because he doesn't have to let it happen. He doesn't have to wait to be a victim before he can shoot him. He can actually shoot him while the man is in the process of coming at him. But that was not the case. What happened is he was assaulted. He didn't see him coming. He hit, he hit the ground. He gets dazed, whatever the case may be. At this point, the other gentleman is no longer coming at him. Therefore, he's not 
in immediate danger, and there is no indication whatsoever that danger is coming. Therefore, it is no longer stand your ground. What he did, which is a lot of people believe, it's okay. Maybe some people believe he, that the other guy deserves to die because he put his hands on him. But that does not justify the shooting. Because what actually happened is he got hit, he got hurt, he gets mad, he gets upset, or he's still scared, or he's worried they're going to come after him again, whatever the case may be. But there is no physical indication that he was going to. And so what it is is you have either somebody who is mad and angry that he got pushed down, so he killed somebody, which some people think that's okay, or you have a coward. And if you have a coward, then the only reason why he's actually killing is not because he's in danger, not that it's even reasonable to think that he's in danger. He just has fear. And people that are fearful should not carry weapons because they will always use them at an inappropriate time because they do not have the context to understand when it is appropriate to use deadly force. People that get in fist fights when they're young and all that other times, even gangbangers, there's times when they will not shoot somebody because they don't deem it appropriate. And people call them animals, but they have the context to understand when, appro- when it's appropriate to use deadly force. A good uh, police officer you, should do the same. Could I ask you, how close was the shooter, the uh, perpetrator to the shooter? It's about 6 to 12 feet. I'm actually in right, Tampa, now, which is right from down there. All right. So so police officers, how how close could a person with a knife get to a police officer before he's are allowed to shoot? In Missouri, it's 20 that feet. The, two things. Well, One, hey, hang on for a second. Let me finish. Let me finish real quick. Well, you're asking me a question. So. Yeah, I know. I know. Are you asking me a question or are you just talking? No, I'm just going to. And I, I know y'all don't like what I'm saying. That's all right. And the no, fact too, I'm a black I, man I saying say that it. At all, I just sir. hang on for a second. I'm not saying you, but people don't like what I'm saying. But I don't mix my, I don't bite my tongue. I say what I got to say. Right now, in Missouri, it's 20 feet. If you get within a police, or a police officer, officer, and you got or a knife, what about civil people? Because we're talking about civilians. We're not well, the same thing. Officers. Well, a, a police no, officer. No, because college, a police officer. The main difference officer, between a police officer and a civilian is a police officer has a uniform that says that I am this person. I have a right to do certain things. Well, not all and the time. Sometimes they play clothes. Way, well, if they're in plain Sometimes clothes, they clothes. They but here's the point. Let me finish. They're trained please. to do things differently than one that is actually in uniform. Let me finish, please. They are trained. <laughs> and they, it said that if, if a person with a knife is within 20 feet, and they might have changed it and resulted in some things since around Mike Brown. But they're allowed to shoot to kill. Now, people say, well, why don't you shoot in the knee or shoot in the leg? Well, hell, they practice. They're trained to shoot center mass. So at 20 feet with a trained police officer, anything less than that, 19, 18 feet, is highly dangerous situation with a trained expert. And a I professional. Will, I am listening to man, exactly what second, you are please. saying. No, hold on, hold on. Pause, pause, pause. Just one moment. I'm going to interject shortly and let you finish. All right. You said if a person has a knife, so an armed person within 20 feet, you can use deadly force. We are talking about an unarmed man. Now continue your point. Well, boxers' fists are registered weapons. So we, I don't know if this guy is not just a came and pushed me. We don't know that. How did I know? Does he have a T-shirt on saying I'm Mike Tyson? But the thing is that this man was within 
uh, 12 feet or six feet or whatever it was that you said, he's dazed when he goes down and he's looking up and the guy that does the pushing may be taking a deep breath like he's getting ready to come again. That's a threatening move to me. And I would use I would use you just said breathing is a threatening move. Well, that's what got Mike Brown killed. And the prosecutor said it was legal. Okay. That, the jury said it was legal. That, that is an injustice. But um, and then also again, that's a police officer versus a civilian. Well, it, it, it's a closer a, difference. A, hold on. There's an extreme mm-hmm. difference because actually, in the I'm legal system, closer all difference. over the distance. I'm sorry. No, no. But what I'm getting ready to say: police officers have police unions. Police unions have lobbied to put specific laws, especially in many states and federally, where they have protections where there are things that it is legal for them to do that it is not legal for us to do. In addition to it being legal for them to do it, when they, even when they do wrong, they have protections to where they will not be convicted. And that is how the government system actually works. And so they are completely different scenarios because you cannot compare in any way whatsoever something that involves a police officer versus a civilian. Because as a police officer... There are laws, and in some cases, things that are written into the constitutions of states that gives them protection because of their law enforcement status. Well, you know, where we live, the municipality dictates the behavior of their police officers. If they don't want their police officers engaged in high-speed chases, they, the municipalities say you do not get engaged in high-speed chases. If a municipality right. say if you come upon a scene and you fear for your life, you call for backup, so you got two opinions. And if you do something otherwise, then you're in trouble. The municipality controls their employees, police officers. Are that employees. is correct, but they also have to be underneath the state and federal laws, and they still get the state and federal protections as well, in well, addition to whatever they get for their local. Well, but we're not. Well, this is actually a giant tangent because we're supposed to be talking about the gentleman that got shot two civilians, not police. Absolutely, we should be, and I still contend what the man did that done the shooting was, uh, I think he was justified in doing it. So it's going to be played out in court. And if I was in that situation. I stated stated that some people identify with him and believe that he was justified in the shooting. But the only way that he's justified in the shooting is he either was scared or he... Well, at the at the end of the day, pretty much the only reason why he was able to shoot the man, like I said, is if he's scared, and if he's scared, then you have to go at this particular point in time. Is standard ground, the law as it's written, am I allowed to shoot anybody I'm afraid of, or am I have to, or is there have to be some type of 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 evidence that the person is going to attack? And that's what. Let me give you. I got an answer for that. When that I got to answer for that. If you fear that your attacker and your adrenalist or your attacker is going to impose a permanent damage to you, it could be a scratch, then you got a right to fear for your life. You got a right to have that fear where you use deadly force in order to stop that fear. That's the way it well, is in Missouri. Let me just, let me just so interject the, something. Um, was, look, there was I, a case, look, and the, I don't want to go the back, gentleman, back and forth. The other no gentleman, is, the other gentleman uh, I believe you said you're from Tampa. So um, mm-hmm. you'll remember the case from a couple of years ago, the shooting in the uh, in the movie theater. You, you remember that? No, I'm not quite. Where, We've had several. We had one down for the street okay. where the police shot up somebody's house for 
it was the wrong house. We have this kind of stuff happen all the time, especially right. in St. Okay. Pete. Yeah, this this one happened a, a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, in a movie theater in uh, in Wesley Chapel, on uh, which is a, a sub a Tampa suburb. But in any event, the mm-hmm. um they, they they was a they were in a movie theater. The movie hadn't even started. They were showing the previews, and mm-hmm. a, a a couple married couple was at the movie theater, and the cell phone went off. It was the babysitter that was calling or, or texting or something to, to the couple that was in the theater watch, uh, about to watch this movie. Well, someone behind them took, took uh, uh, you know, exception to the cell phone being on. Again, the movie hadn't even started. And an argument right. ensued, and it was an older gentleman and a much younger gentleman. So they started arguing, and the younger gentleman took a bucket of popcorn and threw it at the guy. Hit him, hit him in the face with the bucket of popcorn. Well, the older gentleman, who happened to be a retired uh, Pasco County Sheriff's deputy, pulled out his gun and shot him, killed him right there in the movie theater, and 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 uh, you know claimed stand your ground at that point. So when you say if someone scratches you, you have a right to shoot them. I guess that gives him the right to shoot and kill this husband and father of two for having popcorn thrown in his face. Well, why the hell did he throw popcorn yeah. in his face? That's not the question, though. The question is... Yes, the, the popcorn right could have caused damage to the man's eyes. So, okay. So do we want to live in a world where well, minor right. things you are You want to live in a death? world where you don't have some idiot throwing popcorn on you. And, and it you probably was that signs. the penalty for that is death. If the person that you throw no, 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 no. that's a simple question. It's yes or no. Do you well, believe he, that? No, not only is it not only with me is it yes. It's hell yes. If somebody is throwing popcorn on me in a situation like that, not knowing what's going to come next, next, I'm going to protect myself. Now me, that was an older as you described that he was an elder. If it was me, I would have beat the hell out of the asshole. You know, my well, wife had a, a a niece had a niece who was similar to the position that this lady from Chicago. She had a husband, Ricky. He beat her all the time. And one time he was going to beat her, she pulled a butcher knife out and stabbed him and killed him. Good so she feared for her life. That's Good nothing wrong with it. She was that being assaulted ground. and pummeled. That that but that is not standard. That ground. is standard ground. Ex- no, not no, that is not standard ground. In the state it, of Missouri it, it, it is. Well, and then maybe that's what it is because we're different. We're dealing with different states and different regulations of standard rail. You're absolutely right. That is what it is. So, You're absolutely right. But well, when it's there, and it, I know that we we have the show. Um, is, we have only just a few moments that are just left with it. But mm-hmm. it is scary to me, and this is me speaking to you. It is scary to me because I have I have sons. That if, you know, you say not only yeah, but hell yeah, but if my son got into an argument with you and he's behind you or you're behind him in a movie theater, and if he turned all of a sudden to look at you in the face and speak to you man to man, you would shoot my son. because you're No, I wouldn't shoot your, your son under those conditions that you described it. <laughs> But, now, now this says, but there, there, it, 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 when is when is the popcorn going to be thrown? So if it's not, so what you what but, but what you're essentially saying is 
is that if, you know, someone younger, somebody, whatever the case may be, gets into a situation where they turn, or what about if they lunge at you, but then they, they, they're more conscious stop and says, my mama told me. What if they accidentally spilled well, the popcorn uh, if on you, you and you I would think not, they so, threw it at you? I would refrain from shooting a kid, honest. I, wouldn't, I, w- I would refrain from shooting a kid. Because I know because, kids are not at the point in life where they can make wise decisions. But if it's an adult, then, uh, you know, it's going to be a different situation. And, and see, that is where moral conscience sticks in and comes in. Mm-hmm. You have that. And, it, and like you said, and I completely and 100% agree that everybody has the right to pull that trigger. But it is what happens after that trigger is pulled. When it comes down to the police officers, which you all were talking about a little bit earlier, when it comes down to the police, the police still have to identify themselves as an officer of the law, even if they are in plain clothes. But when it comes down to stand your ground, you have the right, even if it ain't stand your ground, you have the right to pull that trigger, even if it's not stand your ground. You have that right. But what will happen afterwards with your charge, not charge, being in front of a jury of your peers and everything like that, that is going to be the end result. You have the right, but is it morally conscionable for you to do so? And that's what the thing is here. It was not morally correct for that gentleman to do so, but he has the right. And now he'll face a jury of his peers. And then that will determine the outcome. It'll play out. The end result, people will be happy. As the other caller said, some people won't. They will or will not like the outcome of what will occur. The one thing that I love about We the People is that everybody has the right to the opinion, and we can respectfully speak on it and then discuss it and look at everybody's point of view. So I'm going to go ahead and go back on mute and let you guys finish up the show. But thank you for letting me say. And thank you also for for proving to me that my son would be safe around you as well. Well, yeah, I work with with young men all the time, and uh, I would I wouldn't want to kill a young person. I'll let him probably smack me upside the head before I even killed him. But if it's an adult, it's going to be a different thing. And I I wouldn't be anxious to uh, take somebody's life. And uh, you know, I would you know give them a chance to. Step back, but see, here's the point. I have more. See, I just don't live. This is me personally. I just don't live for myself. I have people that depend on me. I have young boys at the Boys and Girls Club that depend on me to come in and train them. In this particular case, baseball. I have young youth at the National Society of Black Engineers that depend on me to be able to run that chapter, help run the chapter, so they can have the resources that they need. I have grandkids that I'm paying their tuition. They depend on me. So I would avoid any trouble like that, and I wouldn't put myself in a position whereas I am not there the next day for these people who depend on me. But I am not going to let somebody to remove me off the scene, whereas those that depend on me don't have me around for the rest, for the, for the important parts of their life. And personally, I commend that, and I empathize with that, 
but I also empathize with everyone that's around me. And I realize that there are other people that have people depending on, I value life. And I actually value the person that's trying to hurt me's life more than a scratch or popcorn or even a broken bone, because that's the kind of person that I am. So my moral compass, and I do believe in killing people if there is a threat of death. But if I believe that there's any inkling or possibility that I could survive the incident, they don't die. Well, yeah, you, right, you uh, suppose. Uh, yeah, hold, hold that's on. good. Look, I got to go, guys. A nice program. Maybe we'll meet again sometime in the future on a different topic. All right. We sure. We thank you for calling, man. Even though we disagree, thanks for calling in. And then on that note, guys, um, we have about only three minutes left. We're we're gonna have to wrap. I think this is not an easy topic. I think that's why there are a lot of um, heated opinions tonight. Um, it's it's not something that we are all gonna agree on. Um, and it's the point comes down to uh, a lot of it is is your own moral code. It's it's what you feel is right and what you deem is necessary in any certain point in time in any situation. Um, I do want to thank everybody that called in tonight. Sorry, y'all had to hear me. Um, I really wasn't planning on talking at all tonight, but it's like I said, it's a very passionate subject that a lot of us have passionate opinions about. Um, Thank you, Warren, Mikey. Um, you're you're welcome, Anthony. Warren, did did you have anything uh, like a closing remark for us tonight? We got about two minutes left, so. Yeah, no, just uh, thank you, thank you all, and and you know, like like I said, we can agree to disagree, um, you know, and not be disagreeable, but um, this is just something here in Florida that um, like I said, with the the, the governor's the gubernatorial race going on you're going to hear a lot about this and then when the trial um starts to take legs um you're going to start hearing more about it at a at a, at a national level but um you know i just i appreciate uh the time and, and just shedding some light on this there's no easy answer um you know like you said just um judgment above all and um you know just uh appreciate the, the opportunity thanks to all the callers everybody's passionate Again, it's it's good to have this discussion. It's good to uh, debate and to be able to disagree, and, and that's what it's all about. But at the end of the day, I think um, I, I, I think we're all we can all come to some common ground in, in regard to this, and maybe hopefully, you know, something will get get done, uh, especially here in Florida, because um, we we we, uh, we just have enough of this right now. This this is getting out of hand. Well, absolutely. Thanks, well, Thank thanks. you, everybody. Great show. Next weekend, hopefully, Mikey will have a little bit better voice. And oh my bad God, time, yes. bad channel, please. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Good night. Thank you. Good night.